Romans chapter 8, and I want us to look at verse 31. I'm not out of the book of Romans yet. I was in it last week, and God guided me back to it today. I would like to call your attention for right now that we go up to verse 29 and then come down to verse 31. Okay? For whom did, for whom he did foreknow, he also has predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? Here's our verse for the day. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Keying back in on the verse that we're going to talk about today. If God be for us, who can be against us? I want to talk about an old subject I used to hear old people say when I was young. I used to hear old sisters in the church say, if God is for you, the world can't do you no harm. That's what I want to talk about. Never will forget the old sisters in the church. Many years ago when I was a little young boy preaching, Around in my teens, I recall I was going through something and I was depressed about how the older ministers were treating me. They always encouraged me to be a good young man, stay out of trouble, preach the word of God. And when I really started growing in the ministry and started preaching better in my teens, around 16 years old, I probably believe I was around 16, 17 years old. I was doing some of my best preaching. <laughs> you wouldn't know nothing about that. I was right in my prime, and I could, I didn't have to stand for 15, 20 minutes if they could take it. I mean, I've seen people that say, well, I was too powerful. It was young, strong. My voice was king and strong. And I was doing some serious preaching along there, and I had on a black robe. And I didn't go for a whole lot of fashion and all those things. Just a black robe and about 20 minutes, all I preached. And I got called to churches. I had, well, you got to remember, before I came to Pastor Mount Carmel, I had pastored five churches prior to this church. And one time I had three churches at one time. When my baby was born, I was pastoring when I was 19 years old. And I look back at that, oh, here I am, a young boy pastoring all these old folks. No wonder some of them said, that's, that's a boy. At that time, I was mad. I thought I was a man. But now I can say I was a boy. And pastoring folk 80 years old and 19 years old. But you know what? When I started getting, when I came here, people used to say I was a boy. And I was getting mad. I said, I'm 24 years old. And wife and three babies. I was a boy. <laughs> I had to live this long to say, that's a child. Really? 
preaching and pastoring for 80 and 90 years old in Summer Hill, I look back at it, that's why I love these old members so much, they gave me a chance. And they accepted me to grow to a, a lot of things I had to grow out of and grow into. But I recall even when I was going through some problems here when I first came to the city of Atlanta, boy, Edmund Patterson was blowing me up, the little man with the big voice, and I was preaching to everybody. It looked like every month a caravan, and that was some of my great preaching when I was done, and you can hear one of them, uh, one of the historic sermons on there. It wasn't much, but it was enough. If you go on YouTube and look at it, you see I only weighed about 120 pounds, and they called me the little man. You'll see the picture, and I was preaching at the Atlanta City Auditorium. That's the old city auditorium that Georgia State bought, and they tore it down. I was preaching late midnight, and you can kind of get a little bit of how the power of God was moving in that 12 o'clock in the midnight and had already preached at a church before I went there and went over there and preached like crazy and then got to sing in Mahalia Jackson's song, Move Up a Little Higher. Edmund Patterson sat me down. He grabbed me and sat me down. The people couldn't take it anymore. And and when I started coming here, preachers were kind of cold to me and, and they wouldn't speak to me. They would throw all kind of sarcastic remarks and I would just say, what did I do to them? I just came here, got popular too quick. And some of them didn't like it coming straight out of making here to Atlanta, shaking Atlanta. And they were not so friendly to me. Even when I teen in Maker, the preachers were just not friendly to me. And I went to this old lady, I won't forget her. And she's still living, Miss Minnie Pearl. I've just found her. She's 99 years old. And if you listen to Miss Pearl, I've tried to find, I lost your number. In good mind, will be 100 years old. She was my pastor's wife. My pastor was kind of blind, but his wife would drive him. He had churches in the rural, and he would let me preach when he got through preaching. All right, we finna hear the little boy, and they had to put a box up there for me to stand on and preach. But the first person that would read the Bible to me was Miss Pearl. And I would go over there and walk, and she would sit and read the Bible, and all she had to do was read it to me, and I'd get right up, and I'd remember everything she said, and I could preach it at 11 years old. I went to her so depressed about why I was so hurt about people treating me so cold. You know what she looked at me and said? Listen, son, if God is for you, the world can't do you no harm. And all these years, and I met another old lady said that same thing to me in Sandersville. When I went to Sandersville, I stayed there about a year. I was in the sixth grade. I remember my sixth grade teacher, and I was preaching then. I went there because all the Flemings in Sandersville wanted to see this boy preaching. And I couldn't be out of school. So my mother and my dad allowed me to have Sandersville where my father's from. They allowed me to go there and stay for a year. I went to Elder High. Hello, I remember Miss Price was my teacher in the sixth or seventh grade. And I was going through something there, and I was preaching everywhere. Had to go to school every day. And she said it after class. If God is for you, the world can't do you no harm. Have you ever heard that? Wow, that brings back a lot of memories to me tonight. And... I want you to know how important that is when Paul was saying that. He was writing. And if you read or haven't got to there, I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. Oh, he wrote so many letters. But the most famous verse in here 
what it says in Romans chapter 8 that everybody know. For we know all things work together for, for good to them that love the Lord. That's the most famous verse, and I'll be preaching that soon. But before, after he said all that, he went to telling us about all the things we're going through. And then he gets to verse 29, talking about he got foreknowledge. Uh, he predestined us. Now, I don't want to get into predestination and God, well, people, a lot of confusion about that. If God predestined something, the gospel of election, if, if some folk are destined to go to hell, they were created to go to hell, or some people created, that's a whole big controversy about the doctrine of election and predestination, which I don't want to get into that right now. But he was talking about all these things and talking about uh, conforming the image of his son that we might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover to whom he predestined that's where people get confused that, that God predestined that person to, to go to hell or what but one thing I struck me he said uh, we're also justified and to whom he justified them he also glorified he's telling about all these doctrinal truths about what God would do for the believer. And when he got down to this verse 31, he started saying one thing, you don't have to worry about whatever the enemy say and whatever people say, if you glorified and justified, remember one thing, if God be for you, who can be against you? What struck me to mind, the first thing I want to say to you, you better make sure God is for you and not against you. Now, a lot of people read this, but you need to think about some things that it didn't say that you need to think about. What if God is against you and not for you? It's bad to have God as an enemy. And that's why I go to church. I don't care what. If the virus out here, I'm going to put on a mask and come anyhow. Amen. And be social distant. People come here because they want to be under the covering. People are here, if you see a lot of folk here this morning, they miss being with the, under the covering. Because when you're under the covering and you're under the power of God, he sustains you. You want God for you, not against you. And now if you read the Bible, it'll tell you some things that are turning God against you. And I don't even need to get into all that. You as a child of God, I'm just a little teaching right now. You as a child of God already know when God is against you. Number one said, forsake not to assemble yourself in the house of God with the saints. The another thing is that you need to understand, you need to pay your tithe. The Bible says, nothing in the Bible says dues. Unbiblical. You show me in the Bible where the Bible said pay dues. The Bible said, give as God has blessed you. So what did you give it? What God has blessed you. So what is that? The tithe. Some folks, I give as God has prospered me. Well, I'll tell you what, that's talking about the poor saint offering. That's the poor saint that took a money for the poor saints. That God prospers you. If you gave as God prospered you, then if you got two cars, give the church one of them. Because God has prospered you. If you got 10 suits and they're brand new with no old ones, then you need to bring me two or three of those suits over here and let me give them to somebody that needs them. Not the old one, the new one. You don't want to try to give as God prospers you because a lot of you all are making a whole lot more than you used to make and you're going to have to give some of that back to God as he prospered. 
But the tithe is so perfect that if you didn't make it, God didn't ask for it. Right? If you didn't make nothing, you're not required to give it because you didn't make it. God is only asking you to pay the tithe because he blessed you to make it. There's no such thing I can't afford it because he only asking you to give what you made. 10%, the 90 is yours. God is saying, just give me 10 cents to run my house. God don't need your money, the church needs it. Because we can't sit up in this building for free. 